Snow Bunnies and Frostbite Boys. Pour yourself a steaming cup full of mortal dread. Drain your St. Bernard to make a mean old-fashioned. And on the rocks, this whole damn mission is on the rocks! Excuse me, I'll be right back. I gotta go drain the St. Bernard. It's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> drain the St. Bernard is the new euphemism to hit the streets. <laughs> Nobody knows what it means, but everybody's using it. Oh, yeah. And it makes everyone uncomfortable. Welcome back. I am Omen Thomas Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Momes. And this, my sweet, sweet ones, is Talk Told to Me. A frigid death march north of the Arctic Circle of Progrock, in which Nippy Nick and Overcast Omen will shelter from the cold in an emergency hut made from every single track that frost-proof rock and roll band Jethro Tull has ever crystallized into dazzling existence. We will attempt to locate Peggy's Northwest Package, warm our marrow with the magic of Martin Barr, and we will make a fire bow that allows us to spin Peter John Vitesse on a wooden base until the heat from friction begins to smolder the emergency codpiece. <laughs> and if we can survive the cold night by huddling around the flute fire, we may find ourselves skiing the Scottish slopes with none other than the spy from Sky, the Scot who brings the hot, the jet fuel from Black Puel, Ian Sporinful of Warm Kittens Anderson. Black Puel. <laughs> I put a diphthong where it didn't belong. Oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah, that tickled me. That hits my linguistic my linguistic tickle bone. Mm, mm. Like Cardi B says, it hits that little dangly thing that hangs in the back of your throat. Does she say that? Yeah. Oh. Pretty sure that's Cardi B. The uvula? The uvula, yeah, but she doesn't okay. say the uvula because it doesn't scan in, as well in the rap. Little dangly thing hanging from the back of your throat scans better than uvula? In the context of the song, yes. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Speaking of Nicki Minaj and Cardi B, Nick, welcome back to the podcast where we talk about Jethro Tull. How are you? I'm assuming I'm the Nicki Minaj, you're the Cardi B of this relationship. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. I would take either one, but... Yeah, I guess oh, that's really an interesting question. I'd rather be Nicki Minaj, but you know, okay. I'll take what I can get. You, can, I mean, you, you can have it. I have no investment whatsoever. So I think which of them would wear horizontal stripes? Probably neither one. Are vertical stripes better? Hor vertical stripes are very much more in. Yeah, horizontal stripes. Not to alarm you, but they went out some years ago. For the record, those are pink stripes down. It's a plaid. Thank you very much. Oh, I can't see the other stripes. My yeah. bad. I'm sorry. I'm vertically blind. You, you you thought I was just wearing like a prison, an old timey prison jumpsuit? That's what it looked like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the ball and chain, the literal ball and chain is is in, in the booth with me. Nice. Yeah. Nick, what are we talking about <laughs> this week on the podcast Talk Tall to Me? Something actually tall related, I guess we should talk about. It is the second of the kind of the middle, middle limbo zone tracks. We're going to talk Tundra today. Oh, right Tundra. in the limbo zone. Right in the limbo. Have you never heard this song before or you just didn't listen to it like just to warm up? I've either never heard it or I've heard it less than once. <laughs> All right. And then I think that warrants one of these. Yes, it is. It is fresh. It's brisk, if you will. Oh. And with that out of the way, I reckon we should probably just listen to it, yeah? Let's do it. Let's do it indeed. Right, Nick. Omen. There she blows. There it is. That was Tundra. Terrific. This is a this is a song that I've never listened to before. I can confirm. This is totally a new new moment for me. Mm, what a what a delightful treat. There are so many things in this song in particular that I find so delightful that how exciting for you to to kind of experience them all. That being said, what was it like listening to it for the first time? Was it was it a bit 
cacophonous? Was it a barrage? Do you feel like you got everything? Oh, you know, it's a very, very atmospheric song. It is. Yeah. I I wrote down stark maximalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's a sense if I, if it was architecture, I feel like it would be brutalist. Like it'd be, it's very large and it's just a lot of like exposed, unpainted concrete, just raw. Okay. Yeah. But complex at the same time. But also like practical as well. Like it's all, it all has a purpose. Yes. The purpose is to intimidate your soul. Is to scare. It's like, it's like Gotham City, basically. It is a bit like Gotham City when, when Dr. Freeze takes over. Dr. Freeze? Mr. Freeze. He was a doctor, wasn't he? He did not. He did not go to seven years of, of Freeze school to be <laughs> called did, did he, Mr. Freeze. Did he not? <laughs> Wait, it is Dr. Freeze, though, isn't it? Dr. Victor Freeze, maybe, but his, his supervillain name is Mr. Freeze, I guess. It just seems disrespectful. Yeah. Nurse Freeze. I get it. Nurse <laughs> Nurse Practitioner Freeze. Did I ever tell you that I when I dated... When you dated Mr. Freeze? When I dated Mr. Freeze, the bedroom was surprisingly warm. When I dated Kareen in college, I had to call her father doctor. And I just... I, I don't know. I disagree with the, like, just because you went to medical school, I, if you're checking my tonsils sure, sure, sure. Or, or taking my temperature, I'll call you doctor left and right. But if I'm dating your daughter, I don't think I need to call you doctor. Hmm. Right. Hmm. I mean, you know, everybody's different. And I, and I think that, I think that some people do really get off on the, you know, I have this degree, so you have to call me this. Oh, sure. Yeah. Anyway, this song I have the impression it's really it's really interesting. Like it's so synth heavy, mm-hmm. and the synth is being played in such a way, or was programmed in such a way, or perhaps this is one of the maybe this was the instrument that Ian programmed, the other synth. Oh, interesting. That's yeah, programmed this way that everything feels like it's cracking as you're listening to it. The Fairlight CMI is that what that, it's called? Oh, wow, good memory. Yeah. Wow, I'm shocked. Yeah, there's there was a structure to this song. Even though there's so much going on, there there does feel like there's a structure here. It's very structured. We have that that repeated that part. But also even that, it feels like as you're listening to it, it's fracturing under you. I mean, it really is like walking across a big ice palace and you hear the ice groaning. Mm-hmm. You know, when you walk across a frozen lake and you hear the ice groaning and popping under you, even even if the structure is sound. Terrifying. Yeah. We live right on, on a Tisco Lake and we see people ice fishing. Sure. In the dead of winter when it's like super freezing and I totally get it. But even when it's been like sunny and you can see the thin ice around the edge and you still see people out there and it's bananas i would never in a million years no thank you yeah oh yeah one of my favorite things was to run across the small frozen ponds in upstate new york in the winter and kind of try to get across them before the ice broke so much that you would fall through and they were very you know very very shallow only a couple inches deep that's just a big puddle yes actually (laughs) yes they call them kettle holes they're left over from the glaciers oh those okay yeah speaking of glaciers this song reminds me a little as you might imagine of something's on the move yes oh absolutely yeah this song does elicit the imagery of a giant polar bear shaped glacier moving down or or living on it or living by it it's very storm watchy this song content wise it's very storm watchy even sound wise like if you if you take the instrumentation and maybe adjust it a little bit Mm-hmm. It could well be on Stormwatch in my mind, vibe-wise. Yeah. That being said, the this is one of the first instances, and maybe maybe it is your theory that we're just we've just become accustomed to it. But this is one of the first instance instances where I intentionally listened for the drum machine, and it didn't sound terribly drum machiney to me, other than the fact that like. When you hear a drum machine tom, like there's no there's nothing else in the world that sounds like that. So like that was the red flag. 
But if I didn't hear that, I would not have guessed this was not a live drummer. The cymbal sounded very lifelike. Yeah. And I think that maybe part of that experience is because the synth is so digital. It's making mm. no attempt to sound like a terrestrial instrument. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, it's not like synth on piano setting or something. No, it's synth on nightmare setting. <laughs> yes, it's very funky, but it, it really fits, particularly the sound and the context of, of everything, the whole imagery that we're we're getting in, into here. It's a, such a dark, kind of alone sound. Truly, some of these sounds that are being produced by the synth, I have never heard before. They've taken it to overdrive, for sure. They're out on the overdrive again. Riding a synth into the sunset. Yeah. So this this opener, actually, in a little bit, it's not quite as jarring and eerie, but a little bit it reminds me of the opener to Walk Into Light, the the mm. titular song off of Ian's first solo album. Yes, yes. So I'll play I'll play Tundra again, and then I'll play Walk Into Light. Right. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Very similar in some ways. And they're not that far away. PJV was involved in Walk Into Light as well. I couldn't tell you like what they have in common. They just sound similar to me. I, I just don't have the vocabulary and the next level know-how to be able to describe it, I think. They sound synthular. They sound sy- synthtastic. They, they synth soundular. <laughs> Had that removed. There is... At some point, I couldn't tell you when, but at some point I do hear a nice acoustic or maybe even strummed mando in the back at some point in this song. You're always hearing mandolins, Nick. I know. I just want them to be everywhere. You do. <laughs> and for you, they are. They, they are. I miss that sound. That's interesting that you, that you identified that. I'll tell you what I hear in this song, Nick that I haven't heard a lot on this album is the flute. And not that the flute isn't in the rest of the album, it's just that it sticks out to me more on this track than on some of the others. And I think because they've pushed the synth so far into that digital, strange, unearthly sound, something as lifelike, as breath-powered as the flute, Mm. stands out to me it almost takes on, in my cinematic version of this song, the role of the the circling buzzard high in the sky. Oh, interesting. The Observer is the only character that's alive, except the, the only other life form is this sort of omen of death mm-hmm. as it circles around. This Nick McGill of death, if you will. Thank you for including me. You're welcome. The, I, I, that's really interesting. The, the idea that the flute is... Pretty similar in register to these this absolutely bananas synth that's going on, but it does have that acoustic, natural, quote-unquote, sound to it that yeah. it, it still sticks out. It is still a very present sound throughout the whole piece. Yeah. Peggy's bass is in here. Very difficult to, to discern, but when he's in here, I enjoy it, when I do yeah. actually catch it. Is it a casual disappearance? Like- The main thing, the big, big thing that we talked about last week that I want to bring up again is the is Ian's vocal ejaculations. Yeah, something really a very interesting. He has a very interesting vocal approach on this song. What were you? What What, what are your thoughts about it? The 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 whoops and the calls and mm. the ee and then yeah. the the groans at two fifteen the the creaky. Cheek sounds. It is a madman making noise to hear someone making noise, in a sense. 
wow. of, of this song. Yeah. It, it just struck me, but I really like how that translates. It's also like super fun. He's been doing it this whole time, and it it works. It really works in this album. But I do like the context of of the the main character. Kind of, it's the progression of his his going a little bananas, maybe. Wow, interesting. Like like you're saying that when you're in an environment that is completely or seems completely devoid of life, you sometimes shout at the sky in a sense to to assure yourself that you are alive, to hear a human voice. Right, exactly, yeah. I mean, if if no one else is in the house, I'll talk to the cat. I mean, I talk to the cats with everybody in the house, but I, I, I talk to the animals, you know, when, when there's nobody else around. Yeah. When I was doing construction and I was the only one on a job, I would just, I'd mumble to myself, you know, like it's just a, it's kind of a, a human thing. I remember hearing this interview with a woman who was a prisoner of war in, I forget where, but, but some, some country with a very, a very oppressive regime. Mm-hmm. And she was a, a journalist or something who had been captured. And she was in solitary confinement for years. Wow. And she was describing kind of the various stages that she went through. Yeah, right. And the interviewer asked her, you know, what was what was the moment when you really realized that you that your mental health was not in a good state? And she said, Well, there was this one day when, you know, you could hear other people in the prison complex. Mm. And someone was screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming and they just wouldn't stop screaming. And I and I just kept thinking, you know, if they don't stop screaming, I don't know if I'm going to be able to bear it. And the guards all of a sudden rushed in and started shaking her and slapping her. And she realized she was the one screaming. Oh, my God. That that's straight out of like Poe. That yeah. is, you can't write that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Terrifying. Very, very much so. Slightly adjacent to Prisoner of War, tying into the line, this Siberian space. space. I think I might have mentioned this before. Ray's grandfather's brother from Latvia, they lived in Latvia, got sent to Siberia. Oh, to the Gulag. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Did they ever speak about those experiences? I'm not sure they came back. Whoa. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I think it's really just kind of kind of a footnote in the family history to be honest. Wow, yikes. Yeah. Scary stuff. That is very very frightening. You know, we grew up in the cold, Nick. We did. You actually grew up a bit more cold than I did. You were a lot closer to a lake than I was. That's true. Yeah, I was I was definitely more in the snow belt, but we both got a good dose of it. Oh sure. Upstate New York Finger Lake weather is it's it's nothing to sniff at, especially back then. We had we had it way worse back then than it is now because global warming is not real. Yeah, I'm not not sure who <laughs> not sure in that context who has it worse or better. <laughs> we had Fair it enough. colder and snowier, yes. Fair enough, yeah. I love about this song, you know, I, I was thinking a lot about the, as I was listening to this song, the structure of ice. Mm. And you and I had lots of opportunities to observe how icicles form, how ice dams form, how the lake itself will crack and shift these big sheets of ice, how a quick freeze will freeze water differently than a slow freeze, mm. mm-hmm. and how ice melts and cracks as it, as it comes apart. And I feel like each of those dynamics is represented musically in this song. Oh, very cool. It's kind of a dynamic Peter and the Wolf. A little bit, yeah. Of ice. Right. Just an an, an icy wolf song. Yeah. Yeah. But I love the creaking. I love the creaking in in Ian's voice. His voice Mm -hmm. is under a lot of tension in this song, which makes me think of kind of the, the shivering Mm-hmm. So, so are you where I'm saying his vocal outbursts are him kind of talking to himself and it's the progression of his, his kind of going a little bonkers. Are you saying those are the examples of the, the different types of ice or you're saying other aspects? I think it's all over. I think that it's, okay. it's more, it's mainly, mainly the synth in my mind. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. What else do we want to say musically about this song? 
That is it for me musically. I really, I really super dig like my favorite part. It's all around good song. My favorite part is what he's doing with his voice in this. Yeah. It's very cool. It's really, he's, he's taken it to a new level and he's, he's really, really pushing it. And again, we know why we know what happened. We know why it happened, but it's in, in this moment when he could do it safely in an environment that was, was conducive to producing this sound really great. It's a tragedy. Like it's really, really sucks that, that he ended up pushing himself too much, but this, this piece, this album as a whole, this piece, like it's a darn good album, particularly with his voice. And people's bodies change over the years. I just got my first chest hair. Eventually it'll change, yeah. Eventually. Oh, just the wind down of the song is very... Oh, so abrupt? Abrupt, unhinged, disconcerting. Yeah. Yeah, very quick. And it's a longer song, too. It's like it's like three and a half minutes. Did you ever read that story, To Build a Fire? No, I never heard of it. It's a short story about a guy who is in the, uh, in the Yukon, I think. And he's, you know, a solo prospector or something he's going he's a trapper maybe i don't know he's Mm -hmm. he's just out there with his dog in the middle of the wilderness and he's trying to build a fire Mm -hmm. because it's night's falling and he he needs a fire to survive and he goes through a couple of different stages and things get worse and worse and worse (laughs) like at one point he succeeds in building a fire but he builds it underneath the the bow of a tree that's laden with snow Mm -hmm. and as that heats up it falls and puts out the fire yeah and he can't salvage it and so then he has to start from scratch but his hands are already so cold that he's losing the ability he's losing the fine motor skills that he needs to build the fire yeah and he gets so desperate that he tries to kill his own dog to warm his hands up in the body of the dog just so that he has the ability to build the fire with right. his hands and he can't because the dog runs away and so he dies. Oh my gosh. Was not expecting that. Wow. He freezes to death. That's that's quite the turn. But it's that end of the song kind of reminds me of that like the your parts are just slowly dying off because it's too cold to function. Sure. Yeah, I like that. That ties pretty darn good. Let's take a quick break. We'll go to the Apre Ski Lounge and then we'll Come back and talk about the lyrics of the song. How about that? Sure, let's do it. My goodness. So chilly out there in the rest of the episode. My toes. I I don't think I can feel them. I got to wiggle. Okay, there we go. Sit by the fire. It's so much nicer in here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I love wood smoke. I love that smell. (sighs) Would you like some cocoa? Yes. Yes, please. That would be delightful. One marshmallow or two? Mm, normally, I'm a no marshmallow kind of guy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I think I think I'm going to treat myself and do and and do two marshmallows. Yeah, you know we're burning up a lot of calories out there in the podcast. Yeah, just to stay warm. Yeah. Bloop. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. I've put your boots in the microwave. Okay, great. Warm, steamed. I like it. I forgot about the steel toes. Oh, no. Didn't think about that. We'll need a new microwave. And new boots. Yeah, new boots. This was a disaster. Uh, I'm feeling warm. Should we go back to the rest of the episode? Let's do it. Barefoot. Let's do it. Yes. It'll, like, get the blood flowing. There you go. I'm going to make a tall angel. So here we are, content-wise... The song itself, Omen, we've, we've kind of hit on it before, kind of leading, leading up into this spot here, but it feels like our hero is, we don't know where this is in, in the time frame, but our hero finds himself up in Russia, in Siberia, doing something. Maybe he followed Svetlana there. Maybe he's, he was sent there by his handlers and he's, He's all alone, but maybe he's going a little mad because yeah. certain things are happening. He has a GPS coordinate, mm-hmm. and he's trying to find the next step. Now, Nick, before we dive too much into the song, what is, in fact, the tundra? 
I'm glad you asked that. I have that pulled up. So a tundra is a vast, flat, treeless, really just like scrub at best Arctic region can mm-hmm. be found in Europe, Asia, and North America, just because those are the the continents that, that ring that area. The main detail is that it is an area where the subsoil is permanently frozen. Yep, permafrost. Year round. Yeah, permafrost. Comes from a Sami word. That's the that's the language of the the Sami people of the or the Laplanders mm. who herd reindeer and do all that fun stuff. Meaning treeless or upland. That makes sense. Yeah, and it's an important carbon sink because the mm. the cold keeps things from evaporating, doing the thing that releases carbon. So as yeah, the world right. heats up and the tundras. Thaw, it releases Mm -hmm. more carbon, which generally just is a bad time for everyone. Yeah, nobody likes carbon. Except for carbon leaf. Except for, I like carbon leaf. (laughs) Fuck those guys. (laughs) I also want to define, where is the line? Snowshoe. Snowshoe. It's a shoe. Made of snow. You'll never believe it. It's made of snow. Desert. The line desert. Short Arctic desert day. First line. So desert is a dry, barren area of land, usually covered in sand, that is characteristically desolate, waterless, and without vegetation. The key there is the waterless part. Yeah, it's under a certain threshold of precipitation every year. Right. So you think, oh, but there's snow, there's ice. It's it's not active water, you know? It's mm-hmm. just always there. Yeah. So if there's no... There's no active rainfall or even snowfall. It is it is technically a desert, yeah. And it is dessert in the sense that it is deserted. And delicious. And sugary, yeah. Sugar-coated. Now, did you ever go snowshoeing as a youth or as an adult? You would think I would have, based on my tenure spent as a Cub Scout and even a couple of years as a Boy Scout, but I, I never did that, oddly enough. Huh. It seems like something that would be enjoyable. For anyone who hasn't experienced the pleasure of snowshoeing, snowshoes are a, a device that essentially is like a big tennis racket on your feet. And it's used to spread out your weight so that you can walk on the surface of the snow without sinking down into the snow. Yeah. In upstate New York, they can really be the difference between life and death if you get you know caught somewhere. You can use up a lot of energy trying to make your way through a snowfield, whereas with snowshoes, even though it's a bit unelegant, it's like skiing's less sexy cousin. Yeah. You can walk uh, in a much more efficient manner. My dad, to this day, keeps a pair of snowshoes in his in his Jeep. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think your, your mom used them when she was, like, checking traps and stuff, if I remember correctly, way yes. back when. Yeah, I seem to remember seeing a pair in your, your childhood home. She gave birth to me on a pair of snowshoes. On a pair of snowshoes. In the traditional upstate New York manner, yeah. Yeah, right. Right, 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 yeah. And they are, I believe they are, they were created by the indigenous peoples that they would. Yes, indeed. I mean, it is a it is a straight up old school technology. Oh, yeah. And it works. It's crazy simple science and it works and it's really cool. And in this environment that Ian's describing, they really are the difference between living and dying. So the opening line of short Arctic desert day and someone left their snowshoes in the tundra. Short Arctic desert day and someone left their snowshoes in the tundra. Is very ominous. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Already I'm getting... The sense of, did somebody leave their snowshoes or did did our main character just leave his snowshoes out? Like, is he Tyler Durdening himself here? Oh, yeah. Right. And the whole song is kind of spiraling around that logic to try to figure out right. what's going on. Is it that, is he out here searching for someone? Is he, has he been to go, has he been given the mission to go and acquire a human target? Mm-hmm. And he's found this trace of them, and that's all there is because the wind has swept away any footprints that were there. Or was the person picked up by a helicopter? Mm-hmm. And so there are no tracks. Or are they close by hiding under the snow and about to pounce on him with a knife? You know, I mean, it's it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that whole, the rest of that first verse. But I can't see just where the footprints go. Is it a casual disappearance? Plucked from the middle atmosphere like straw wind blown, no speck on the horizon, no simple message scrawled upon the snow. I can't see just where the footprints go. The simple message being like, these footprints lead here. Or help. Or or help, yeah. And then it leads into the next one, unearthly visitation. Someone left their snowshoes in the tundra. Unearthly visitation. Someone left their snowshoes in the tundra. Ah. Yeah, it's maddening, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's so, it's so cool. It's... I feel like we've all seen this TV show or this movie where someone is like alone and they're kind of going, going insane after a while, but it's, he captures it so well in this song. It's great. And it, you know, talking about our spy arc, it works so well with that because it is this kind of mystery. It's this kind of noir Arctic mystery. Yeah. A, there shouldn't be anyone out here. Right. Yeah. Including myself. Mm Mm-hmm. B, if there's anyone out here, they need gear to survive. Right. C, if there is this survival gear here and there's no body, (laughs) something isn't adding up. Where did the owner of these shoes go? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really fun. It's really cool. And it's it's a neat it's a neat way to everything up until this point has been mystery and thriller involving one or more other people and this is this is the suspense of him being alone trying to figure something out and there there's no other external input so he's got to figure it out on his own it almost goes to the level of of horror or psychological thriller yes absolutely because then as you say he starts to kind of lose even the logical ground on which he's standing and as we talked about you know the the effect of cold on the human physiology is really brutal i remember um you're talking about boy scouts i remember doing a uh i forget what they called them klondike days or something like this they basically like take all the boy scouts out and klondike derby klondike derby yeah go stand around in the freezing woods for 12 hours and see if you've gained any good memories spoiler alert i didn't no no memories no. But I remember, I do remember one of the guides saying, all right, you have to remember that the first signs of hypothermia are irrational behavior and irritability. <laughs> and then I remember when the adults were trying to show us how to build a fire in the woods, they were all irritably yelling at each other and doing things <laughs> that didn't make sense. I was like, this is messed up. I yeah. want to go home. I'm sure there's character built there somewhere. Sure. But... But it's pretty torturous as well. I got snow blindness that day. Yeah. So my favorite... So we talk about the the surprise snowshoes. We go to the the buzzard that you mentioned. The hungry buzzard flies circling round and round. The best line, rattling death's tambourine. Ooh. Mm. Ooh, so good. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. Makes me think, I don't know if vultures really are an Arctic bird. Makes me think maybe an eagle would be more biologically appropriate. Right? Yeah. But it's also just the image, you know, it's like the, the specter of death, playing death's triangle. So it looks like ravens and gulls are the two true scavengers that live in the tundra Hmm. and vultures and crows do not. So, yeah. Deploying death's vibra slap. (laughs) Yeah. Hooting death's kazoo. (laughs) Well, and in this case, maybe buzzard is just a general term for any carrion bird. Oh, sure. Yeah. Any, anything that's going to circle and, and eat the dead. Yeah. Yeah. And is that, is that buzzard circling? Because he is going to die soon? Is that an ominous thing? Is that an omen? Or... Right. Is it evidence? Is there a body somewhere? Yeah. Well, and and that's 
you know, this kind of desperate logic in desperate circumstances as your brain is literally being shut down by the cold is really right. just so uh, I, it's so engaging with this song. Mm. Have to run it down the cold wire, late intersection in tomorrow's lost and found. Should I spread out searching? But I'm a little thin upon the ground. Yeah, you can't spread out if it's just you. No. (laughs) (laughs) Late insertion in Tomorrow's Lost and Found. Oh, right, right, right. That's another thing here, you know, it's like, if somebody really is lost in the tundra, you don't have any time if you're going to try to save them. Yeah. You can't report back to headquarters and they'll send reinforcements tomorrow. It's way too late. Yeah, it's, it's literal life and death, yeah. But if you try to do something about it, you might just as easily die right yeah and who is this person who's missing is it the guy that you're hunting down is it someone who who a civilian is hunting you is it a civilian is it worth it in this instance where you are presumably out here for a very specific reason maybe it's svetlana maybe it's svetlana we don't know so i raise my lips to coax the last drop of brandy from the bottle tundra Rest my feet and contemplate the mystery that's haunting this Siberian space. So I raise my lips to coax the last drop of brandy from the bottle of tundra. Rest my feet and contemplate the mystery that's haunting this Siberian space. And then I love that we kind of get to the point that you pointed out at the beginning snowshoes they bind me down snowshoes that bind me down he could be talking about the ones that he's found or the ones that he's wearing yeah i'm just one more parasite in the surface layer i begin to get the feeling i've been on this stage before and i'm the only player just one more parasite in the surface layer yeah. and i begin to get the feeling i've been So maybe we are getting to the point that at some point in this snow madness, he's abandoned his own snowshoes, thinking that they were weighing him down. And now he's Mm -hmm. circled back to them. Yep. He's found them. Can't remember if they're his or not. Can't see any tracks leading away that are anyone else's. Yeah. And can't see where his own footprints go. The final line. Yeah, right. Right, exactly. It, it goes full circle. One more Arctic desert day, another set of shoes out in the, the tundra snow. I make my fade to white out, and you can't see me where my footprints go. I make my fade to white out, and you can't see where my footprints go. So even if someone else mm-hmm. left their snowshoes here and, and walked out and just disappeared... He's doing the same thing. Yeah. It feels like he's, he's whoever visits this on their solo missions is doomed to repeat this fate. It's the snowshoes of death. Yeah. It's very, it's very Poe. It's very, uh, it's very Hitchcockian to me. This like psychological thriller feel where it's, it's just a single person in a snow white set. So there's a film called Jerry written by written and directed by Gus Van Sant. Mm, I know that name. And starring and co-written by none other than Matt Damon and Casey Affleck. Interesting. Jerry, like J-E-R-R-Y? Yes, uh, which is a slang term for to mess up, to make a mistake. Oh, okay, okay. So the story is these two brothers go hiking in the New Mexico wilderness, and there's very little plot. I mean, the plot is they, they come in on this, in they drive into the desert in their car, and one of them is like, oh, yeah, we got to go see the thing. It's so cool. Yeah, we got to go see it. And they can't find the thing. And then they're lost. Hmm. And it's just them wandering around in the desert for the next three to five days, slowly dying of ex- of exposure. It's G-E-R-R-Y. What did you say? I said J. What's the difference? One is a G and one is a J. Why do we need both? 
Because what would say g? A J in context. All right, I'll talk to、uh, I'll talk to Miriam. You talk to Webster, and we'll see if we can get it figured out.、Uh, J is is superfluous. Is it an I? What I mean? J didn't exist in 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 Latin. That's what I'm saying. I get it. This movie sounds really good, actually. Very, very slow paced, and the thing that reminds me of this song is that the shot, the cinematography, is very stark and very wide screen. You really have to watch it on a large device,、mm-hmm. and it's just these huge, long shots of the of the desert, and then this kind of very isolated human figure or interaction. Yeah, that sounds cool. You've done a fair amount of traveling in your days. What's the furthest north you've ever gotten? I spent. I think I've told you about this. I've spent. I spent a, a Christmas in the. Oh yeah, the north of Norway, fairly close to the Arctic Circle. Pretty up there, yeah. Yeah, so not. I mean, not as far north as Norway goes, but pretty far north. And it was in the dead of winter. It was in late December. Far enough to see the to be affected by the the sun not rising. Oh gosh, yes, yeah. I mean, the、yeah. sun literally just came up, just kind of barely crested the horizon, stayed there in a very vague way for a couple of hours, and then went back <laughs> down. You really, I mean,、yeah. it was like constantly sunset. Yeah, when it was light. Right, right, yeah. It was very eerie. It's yeah. It sounds like quite an experience for someone who is used to seasons and and like actual a diurnal time frame. One of Ray's like closest friends, whom you will actually hear in the November Feckless episode. I had another creative conversation. I interviewed them, which you, if you are a Patreon patron, you'll be able to hear that that episode in November. I'm so glad that I am. It's so great. It's so great. But they went to Alert Base in Nunavut, Canada. Nunavut. None of it. N u n a v u t. It is the northernmost continuously inhabited place in the world, and it is 817 kilometers from the North Pole. They were there for a couple of months. They were there long enough to get a vitamin D deficiency that their body doesn't process vitamin D well anymore. Wow! Yeah. It was quite an experience, and it was like part of the. She was a civilian, but it was. It's a. It's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Research Station kind of thing. That is my six degrees of separation of the the farthest north. Well, and some people, you know, upstate New York is somewhat far north. It feels far norther than it is. Yeah, I mean, you can you can go further north in New York. I mean, you can go a couple of hours further north. New York is is big. It goes up pretty far. Yeah. Nick, anything else to say about this haunting piece? It is very, very, very haunting, and in a on a lighter note, I am reminded when I whenever I think about the Arctic and snowshoes and like just like walking in the cold, I'm reminded of.、Uh, are you familiar with the show Radio Lab? Sure, yeah, yeah. There was a there was a story in Radio Lab must have been like at least five years ago, from what I remember, that it was. I think it was a show based on like like happiness.、Hmm. They were the, was the the topic, and there was this. I think he was Norwegian guy who was like who was snowshoeing around the Arctic Circle. Wow! And he, I think they did like he did like preliminary drops of of supplies along the way. So he、yeah. when he came upon it, and he didn't remember what he had put in those supply drops. Usually it was like Vaseline to put on his face and like like rations and things,、wow. but every now and then he would find like a candy bar or something, and it、wow. just it's the the idea of of pure unbridled happiness. the The clip that they played in that show, and I I can actually play the the clip here. He video recorded everything, and he found a bag of Cheetos, <laughs> a bag of Cheetos, and the. Unbridled glee. I'm going to play just just his brief reaction here. Yeah, yeah, yeah! <laughs> wow. And it goes on for another like minute, but like the idea of 
being in the Arctic, being in the tundra, and that that just the idea of a, of a bag of Cheetos can elicit that response, right? Because everything is so stark, and so anything that breaks it up is yeah seems more than it would seem in other contexts. Wow. Yeah, and Cheetos are kind of they're a luxury. Sure, you know, they're not they're not something that you if you're looking for the the most compact nutrition right. possible, you're not bringing Cheetos. They are definitely not that. Yeah. So so that that yeah, that is a a, a long running gag in the McGill house. Ray and I still do that to one another. <laughs> Every time you see Cheetos. Yeah, we should, yeah. Just a final just a final note uh with yeah. all the l- lyrics white out. For anyone who is lucky enough to not have experienced this phenomenon, mm. driving in a true whiteout is one of the most terrifying things I, I have ever experienced. You know, yeah, on Route 81 or God on Route 90 in upstate New York, if you get hit with lake effect snow, yeah, you literally cannot see ten feet in front of your car, and you can't yeah. stop because there may be people driving behind you. Yeah, you can't really tell where the road is. And the the road is snowy, so even if you did try to stop, you would slide a good good 30, 40 feet. So everything that's outside of the vehicle is just literally white. Yeah. You can't have your high beams on or they will reflect off of the amount of snow that's in the air and blind you. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's just the worst. Yeah. What's that between Oswego and Syracuse? Is that 104? Between Oswego and... And Weedsport is 104. Oh, yeah. What's the... There's one that... It's these stretches where there was... 481. 481, where there's always, like, snow blown in these mm-hmm. big patches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It drifts. Yeah, that's, the, that's the, the joy of upstate New York, ladies and gentlemen. My mother says it's going to be a harsh winter. Did she see her shadow? She, she did. <laughs> I said, I asked her... I said, did you get that from the Farmer's Almanac? She said, yes. Oh, well, great. Last year wasn't that bad. We had a couple of doozies later on in the year, but... You have to look at the fuzzy wuzzies. I haven't seen a single fuzzy wuzzy this year. Oh, that means it's going to be a really bad winter. They, they've already gone to gone to ground? They're so... Their color scheme is so black that you can't see them. <laughs> That's not great. That's not good news at all. <laughs> Nick, what do we have the pleasure of thawing out to listen to next week? Next week, we can warm ourselves under the defroster when we listen to Nobody's Car. Oh. Nobody's Car. Technically track one off of side B. Nobody's Car, therefore nobody's catalytic converter. That's right. Back then, they would have had catalytic converters, yeah. Yeah. And it's not stealing, it's recycling. Until next week, (laughs) you don't have to warm yourself on the single last drop of brandy from the bottle. You can warm up in the company of other Tull enthusiasts when you subscribe to our Patreon for a mere $5 a month. And that will give you access to not only a warm community, but several other podcasts that you can use for fire starters as they come out. You won't be a hungry buzzard anymore when you are proudly wearing a Talk Told to Me sweatshirt, which you can procure at our Public page, the link to which can be found in our show notes. Because once people see you in it, they will invite you to dinner. We don't have snowshoes, though. I'm sorry. No. There is no speck on the horizon, but there are five specks, five stars, to be exact, that you will give us, along with a review on Apple Podcasts, please and thank you. I feel like I've seen this review before. Did I leave this review? Oh, somebody left this review. Somebody left this review be? out here in the tundra. Oh my God, why would anyone do that? Oh, I hope they're okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going in after them. Until next week, I am just one more parasite, Omen Thomas said. I am rattling death's tambourine, Nick McGill. We are plucked from the middle atmosphere... The Feckless Momes. And this is Death's Tambourine. Talk tall to me.
Okay, this base has long been deserted. Okay, get get your head in the game. All right, my snowshoes are purple. My snowshoes are purple. Those snowshoes are red. Not sure where those snowshoes came from. Are you sure that yours are purple? Maybe, you know what? Maybe my snowshoes were red. Actually, to create purple, you have to mix together red and also another color. But do you know which one? Maybe, maybe I saw them in like a blue light or something, and it made them look purple when I was wearing them. Blue like your blood when it has lots of oxygen in it. What does I... it? Oh wow! I guess the, I guess the oxygen level is like the closer you get to the, ooh, the North Pole. Yeah, running out of air. It's really cold. Really difficult to breathe. Maybe you should take a breath of your oxygen pump. Yes, this will make you feel nice and warm. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Yes, Okay, yes. I can think more clearly now. Okay. Just give in to the clear brain. Yeah, okay, okay. So, so snowshoes, I didn't see any footprints, though. So if those are not my snowshoes, whose snowshoes are they, and where did they go? Shoes mean feet, and feet mean legs, and legs mean hips, and hips don't lie. You're right. You're right, Nick. You're you're onto something here. I, I I there's someone out there, and they they if I can get to them, they will honestly tell me why they are here. Because hips don't lie, and I'll be saving their life, which means they'll owe me. Yes, they'll owe maybe me. you should lie yeah. down and have a nice yeah. little nap here in the soft oh, snow. Yes. Yeah, hips don't lie, but maybe I should lie down. You know what? That, that snow looks so soft. significantly softer than, than the bed in, in so there. So soft and inviting. And, yes. and igloos are warm, right? So, like, if you get in the snow, you'll warm up. So Is that warm. how that works? Like yeah. an eiderdown blanket in your oh. grandmother's house. Oh, wow. This is actually really nice. This takes me back to when I did snow angels. Oh, I'm getting really sleepy. Snow angels as a kid. How about a nightcap from grandmother's oh. bottle? Yes. There oh, should be there. one little drop left. Enough to keep you warm through the whole yeah. night. That's... Yeah, a little brandy. It'll help me sleep. It'll warm me up. I'll sleep through the night. I'll feel just, like, super refreshed. You have almost... Okay. Almost the time left. Almost the battery left to listen to one podcast as you fall asleep. Oh, yeah. The best... The best way to fall asleep is to listen to two people who just drone on and on and on and don't stop for like yes. over 45 minutes. Yes, feeds the birds of death, feeds the hungry buzzards, and listen to Doc Taltimi, which is a proud member of the Fendless Moms Audio Network. <laughs> yeah! Yeah!